So welcome to Developmental Disabilities Association's Encouraging Abilities podcast. Uh, of course, we're here to tell stories and uh, chat with members of our neurodiverse community. I'm your host, Evan Kelly, the communications manager here at DDA. Uh, today, we are chatting with our very own Keegan Newberry. Uh, she is our assistant director of assistive technology here at DDA, which means uh, she uses a bunch of different things or applications or adaptive devices, adaptive devices rather, uh, to really help our clients communicate, have fun, and learn. And one of the reasons she's here today is because it is National Accessibility Week in Canada, so we're doing a couple of podcasts just based on that. So right off the top, Keegan, maybe you could just tell me a little bit about more about what you do here at DDA. Sure, thanks for the lovely intro. Um, so what I basically do at DDA is I allow our clients to be as independent as possible. And I do that by looking at um, what they want in their day-to-day activities, um, trying to give them the best sort of lived experience by removing barriers. And that often means introducing different technologies to help overcome barriers that we have for them to access the community or to interact with friends. So what got you interested in this line of work? I came from the high school system uh, years ago as a high school teacher, and I was working with a primary, primarily uh, ESL demographic group. And while I was teaching a social studies class and writing my exams like a high school teacher usually does, I came to the realization that With my exam, am I actually testing for their social studies knowledge, or am I testing for their ability to read English? And that really kind of made me look at what barriers are present in our everyday lives that we don't even consider. And so after finishing my year of teaching, I decided to go into special education and so I could help individuals with developmental disabilities to sort of specifically target those barriers that are kind of hidden in a lot of things that we do. Well, so did you, in terms of your high school teaching, did you that you then launched yourself into, uh, in, 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 within a high school, uh, helping people with neurodiversities maybe, or? Um, I went actually into the elementary system, um, specifically because I wanted to work with individuals who had complex needs. I think a lot of the resources that we have available tend to be for people at either ends of the ability spectrum. So for individuals who have complex needs such as multiple diagnoses or um, a developmental disability plus a um, motor impairment or speech impairment, the tools needed for them to overcome these barriers are much more complex. It involves a lot more creative problem solving to get around it. And that's where I really saw my what I was doing having a direct impact on the clients I was supporting. And for me, that was the most rewarding. Oh, fabulous. Now, tech, we're in a, you know, a digital age, of course, and technology is, you know, I, I, is, is getting, you know, making a lot of our lifestyle easier in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, and I see you working around here at DDA, you know, you're reviewing apps and a whole bunch of other things. How is technology, is it making your job sort of easier or more creative or how is that working for you? Technology has become more accessible. And because of that, it's being embedded into um, phones and iPads and other devices as base features, 
which allows for a lot of the tech that we've been using to be more compatible sort of across the board. Um, that has sort of resulted in lowering costs, which is huge uh, for um, some of our the accessibility tools that we have out there are thousands of dollars. And those costs have dropped dramatically in the last couple of years. I think 10 years ago, um, eye tracking software was the biggest, newest thing. And you'd be talking seven to $10,000 um, to have it set up for one individual. And now I can go onto the app store and download eye tracking software for free. It's just there. It's just a huge leap, isn't it? It's amazing that you can go from this sort of this big concept mm -hmm. to here. It's ready, readily available, no problem. And cost is a huge barrier when you're talking thousands of dollars. So I, I think that's been the biggest change with technology is being able to work with clients, work with families and say, here's an app. It's, it's not even 99 cents. You can go download it right now. Yeah, it's amazing. I saw I saw a video just yesterday. You know, it was again talking about Accessibility Week, and and it was this young young man um, or a boy rather who you know obviously had had motor skills and and or uh, issues and couldn't couldn't move his his arms or his legs, and they had this eye tracking software which helped him select musical notes. Mm -hmm. And he was like playing along with this thing, and I, you know, I'm I'm a musician. I know you're a musician, and it's uh, to see something like that and see that sort of level of inclusivity, where someone who doesn't have the use of their arms and can contribute creatively, it was just absolutely mind blowing. And that, like you said, like 99 cents, we can make these things happen. It's unbelievable. It's come even further than that. You have to come out and check out the uh, music section in the AT lab. <laughs> we have all sorts of fun stuff like that. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. We'll, we'll get the video on there as well. Um, so the, with the technology, do you, I mean, do you find it easier to find solutions to problems or, uh, or that you might be trying to solve with respect to a client? I like to describe the demographic we're supporting as being square pegs in a round hole world. There's not a one size fits all. And unfortunately, a lot of the supports that are out there have been developed with that idea of, well, we'll create one thing, it'll work for everyone. Right. If anything, the diversity of new technologies have come out have just sort of made more sizes out there for us to choose from. And so uh, the next question, I guess, uh, with advances in tech has there has can you give me an example of where you've seen something like more of a profound impact on a client or a group of people i think not necessarily an advancement of technology but an awareness of how assistive tools can help not just people with disabilities but everyone seeing things like fidget tools becoming very normalized i hate <laughs> using that word but mm -hmm. um very popular in the media, it makes it easier for individuals to access that technology. And because it's not just this really small demographic who's now using accessibility features on their iPads or needs a fidget device while they're sitting in a classroom, there's more choice out there and it's easier to get to. Yeah, and that's a good thing. You just hop onto Amazon if you need something like mm -hmm. that. Now, this, you know, I think you mentioned a little bit about this, but does the tech typically cater to a broad category of disabilities or are there more specific designs that suit specific conditions? The tech that's out there right now, there tends to be a lot on either end of the spectrum. There is a ton of technology for 
individuals, especially on the autism spectrum, who are independent or semi-independent in community. There's also a ton of technology for individuals who require significant um, assistance with their activities of daily living, significant sensory um, supports for them. The biggest challenge, and that's kind of where I come in with AT, is finding that halfway in between that is, they have a tool that's developmentally appropriate for their needs, but that's also age appropriate for their needs. And we're really lacking that middle ground. And often that means finding things that need to be repurposed or redesigned, um, which involves a lot of creativity on my part to find the right modifications to make it right for that client. Right. You've, you've kind of got to be a bit of an engineer at the same time, I guess. Now, <coughs> pardon me, um, COVID, uh, I know like that, that's hurt a lot of uh, technologies and people uh, with their ability to get things like microchips and the supply chains have all been cut off. How has that affected your, uh, your office at this point in the last couple of years? We've lost a ton of our vendors, which has been um, a lot of the tech that we're getting in is coming from small companies. And I would say about 50% of our vendors went under with COVID, which oh, is wow. terrible. Um, some of these, I remember looking for um, these specific sensory bracelets a couple of weeks ago, and they're not made in Canada anymore. Um, I had to order them in from the UK to get them here. So that's been a huge challenge. And some things we can't get in at all. So we end up having to buy things in pieces and then sort of recreate the um, different tech kits or tools that we've, um, that we've used in the past in our own lab. Ironic is a bit of a step backward to try and try and move forward, I guess. Exactly. But in, in terms of those small sort of businesses where you're, you know, where you're uh, finding, you know, specific things, are you finding there's a there's a real growth in that area? There's a lot more businesses coming. I think there's a lot more awareness in terms of certainly in terms of autism mm -hmm. uh, and and you know other dis developmental disabilities and people are you know you know inclusion of course is is a driving force for DDA. It's a driving force for this community. Um, are you seeing a lot more small businesses and people coming up with ideas and people coming up with things and and creating you know uh, things that we can purchase to help? Or is there is there is that a real growth industry? Do you think? There definitely is growth in that industry. I would say that about 60% of all of the tools that I currently have out that clients are using were not actually developed to be used for people with disabilities. They were um, assistive tools that were developed for neurotypical individuals that I was on the internet one day sort of trolling around different websites and looked at that and said, hmm, you think you've created this, but what you have actually created is this really cool assistive tool. And so we're often repurposing it. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I look at the like things like fidget spinners, mm -hmm. you know, the, to me, they were, they were, they were very popular with, with my kids when they sort of first came out and, and, it, and popular with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, I don't think they were necessarily designed with people with autism in mind, you know, even though that became something that people could focus on and sort of have fun with. So it was, to me, that was a ex primary example of that. Well, you think about, they weren't, they were designed, yes, as a toy or as yeah. a fidget, but 
the skills that are actually required to use a fidget spinner requires the fine motor control to have that pinch point to hold the center, mm -hmm. the gross motor control to be able to spin it, um, have an understanding of cause and effect. What happens if I hit my hand against this? Um, and then because it's a toy, it has this built-in um, reward system. So really it's a teaching tool for a lot of individuals that we can use. And that's where we're finding a lot of the different AT that we're actually using is people not realizing what they've created yeah, the, and how it can be used. Yeah, that's amazing. You, you've just, you just hit on like a few different points where, um, you know, from my office, I might not even think about it like that. To me, it's just this funky thing that spins. It feels like sort of gyroscopic and, you know, slightly entertaining. Because I'm a very fidgety person. I can sit in with a fidget spinner while I do something else. Uh, but then to look at it as this learning tool and this cause and effect thing is really quite fascinating. Um, what about upcoming technologies that you're eager to get your hands on? Anything on the horizon that looks cool? Brain-computer interface, 100%. Um, in the last couple of years, there's been some really incredible things that have been able to be done, especially they were originally designed to support people with locked-in syndrome. So we can process literally what their brains are doing, um, what different neurons are firing in their head, and convert that to text, convert that to speech through a computer. And there are a lot of different companies who are working on it in a very prototype um, sort of type level right now. But when we're thinking about, especially about assistive communication, a lot of our individuals have shown that if we give them the right tools, they might be technically nonverbal, but if we give them a way to communicate, whether it's through pointing at picture symbols, using an iPad, um, using sign language, that they have the desire to communicate, which means that the more tools that we have that basically removes the stress on the actual client to have to learn that tool, the more they'll be able to communicate with their friends, their family, their community, and the more independent they're gonna be able to be. That would be amazing. I mean, I think it's, you know, people like Elon Musk are working on these kind of interfaces. I don't know what any other companies that are doing it. You might know that. But that to be able to communicate with people who are nonverbal or, or I mean, it goes beyond d developmental disabilities, people with injuries or, or, exactly. or brain injuries or, who are maybe in a vegetative state but could still communicate would be, it'd be unlocking worlds, be unbelievable. Exactly. And what, that's where a lot of these um, the technologies have been developed out of. Um, and this is me again, sitting on the internet being like, ooh, two years from now, I can totally use this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what, I mean, what, what, some of the, what are some of the bigger companies that are, that are doing stuff? I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of companies, uh, like I, I look at a lot of stories, like latest one from Reebok, you know, mm -hmm. people bringing in assistive uh, uh, footwear or more accessible footwear for, for people. What are some of the bigger companies that you're seeing developing stuff when it, when it comes to inclusion? Um, Apple has definitely been in there in the last couple of years. Um, not as much with their own development, but working towards making their devices more compatible with um, different assistive tools, which has been a huge change from even five years ago. Um, we have Logitech in there, Microsoft. Microsoft released a really cool app actually um, called Seeing AI a few 
months ago, I think it would have been now, um, that literally you can take a picture of a room and it'll process it and tell you what is probably in that picture. So for people with visual impairments, they can have their environment described for themselves just by using a free iPad app. Um, there are smaller companies that are continuing to produce technology. Um, GoTalk is sort of one of the big names that we see and have seen for over 10 years. Um, and then Proloquo to Go, um, TouchChat, um, they develop AAC, so assistive communication apps. Um, they're still there lingering in the background and they still have great tools, um, but definitely seeing bigger things coming out of um, Microsoft and Apple in the last couple of years that have really shown promise and have really sort of taken that big step forward, especially in the mainstream. Yeah, it's really the digital the digital realm that sort of really seems to be pushing this envelope. Um, but what areas of disability care do you, would you like to see more development of tech? I mean, it's it's one thing to get get the apps and and to really help with communication, uh, but is there something else or another area of disability that we need to would like to see more focus on? Uh, community access tools. I think a lot of people don't realize how many barriers there can be. Um, when I used to teach about uh, barriers in community, I used to have um, my students walk through a building and see if they could find all the different barriers. Things like round doorknobs. If you have a gross motor impairment, they're extremely hard to turn. Um, you might have a ramp, which is fantastic. Almost all of our buildings are accessible now with ramps, but if you're a wheelchair user and that is a very steep ramp, it's really challenging to push yourself up some of them. Like I get winded walking up some of these yeah. ramps. Um, even other things like having communication systems, there's some amazing communication systems they're developing where um, video can read um, American Sign Language, which is, there's such a big community that uses ASL to communicate, but it's so, closed off for a certain aspect. So finding tools that you could walk into a coffee shop and be able to sign at a camera and it would translate for you would be incredible. So all of those like little barriers that really are big things that need to be overcome for a lot of our clients to be truly independent in community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now I've seen a couple of other uh Things and I know some people uh, in the disability community are are developing apps themselves, like like map apps to to map out what is what parts of your community are accessible, what parks are really accessible. So that's that I see that growing quite a bit. I've seen quite a few of those things, but it's one of those things like how do you, particularly here in Canada, when we get snow and 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 the thing is when it comes to accessibility, um, people uh, even like myself would take for granted that you know, where there's a layer of snow that can be deadly for someone who's got limited mobility because you can't see what's under it. Absolutely. Like if there was some way besides, uh, you know, getting people to constantly clear their driveways or some way to sort of, I don't know, find out what's underneath the snow and some sort of radar, who knows. But it's that, that to me was one of the, the biggest things I've I noticed in the past year that a lot of people just don't seem to understand that 
even just a light layer of snow becomes a really impassable thing for people, particularly in a wheelchair. And that's the importance of community awareness. More than once I've been out and crushed gravel driveways <laughs> that have not been packed down. I've definitely gotten wheelchairs stuck in those before. Um, but the more awareness we can bring to those kind of barriers, hopefully the more people will do to reduce them in our community. Um, it's not something that we can just put in a single law or bylaw in and they're all gonna magically go away. This is something that needs to become common knowledge across members of our community. So they're each doing their part to make sure that their small little piece of their community is as accessible as possible. So the greater community can be accessed by people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Now, is is there some way that, I mean, you, you sort of look at this stuff daily, of course, is there some way that people can stay up to date on the latest assistive technology? Or is there like a sort of a, a, a receptacle website with all different things updated? Or how do people find out about assistive technology in general? Um, probably one of the best websites is RESNA. So that's the Rehabilitation, Engineering, and Assistive Technology Society of North America. Uh, their website is fantastic with um, new updates. They have forums to chat about different assistive technology ideas. Um, and that is sort of one of the ones that I use that is truly dedicated to assistive technology. Um, other ones, wired.com. They have some incredible stuff on there, but again, it's it's things that aren't traditionally assistive technology that people just have not realized what they created. Um, I would say I found a good number of stuff actually on Kickstarter. Um, oh wow! There's lots of really good ideas out there that just re need someone to sort of look at them from a different perspective to realize how impactful they could possibly be on this demographic we're supporting. Exactly. Now, in terms of, you know, uh, funding for things like Kickstarter, Kickstarter, obviously, you're looking for sort of crowdsourcing. Uh, but is, is the government like of British Columbia, the federal governments, even municipal governments, do they offer funding for for projects such as these? Do you see do you see them getting involved enough or are they, are they OK? It's the funding is extremely limited. Unfortunately, when you look at it, it's just a very small fraction of our population, um, if you're just talking numbers. So the funding is going to the greatest good, unfortunately. A lot of the stuff that we're seeing where tech is coming out of is out of universities who've been able to get funding for special research projects. Um, in fact, that's where um, some of the really cool uh, brain-computer interface technology is coming out of. So we're looking more down the academic road than really down the government funding road to see where that new tech's coming from. Right. Okay. Um, do you have anything else to add to this? I mean, we've, we're covering a lot of, of things. Anything else you want to discuss in terms of assistive technology, what we're doing here at uh, DDA? We've got, you can certainly come to our website, develop.bc.ca, where Keegan puts together a lot of uh, uh, tech reviews, assistive tech reviews. It's on our Star newsletter and the like and the website. So. Um, I'd say the biggest misconception about assistive technology is everyone thinks it's all about the iPads. It's a very small fraction of what we do is about iPads. Um, it's the really little things from finding a spoon that counter interacts um, 
tremors for someone who has Parkinson's. Um, finding special grips that can go on doorknobs to make them easier to open. Um, there's a lot of really creative problem solving that happens on the small scale. And it's those things that are making the biggest difference beyond iPads and the sort of high tech stuff that we're seeing out there. So don't just rely on the digital realm. It's, there's a lot more to it. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much, Keegan. This has been uh, DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast. Our guest has been uh, Keegan Newberry, our Assistant Director of Assistive Technology here at DDA. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Evan. All right. We'll see you all soon.